On the next Probably True Solar Stories, Sylvia Prout, the widow of Richard Prout, pays a surprise visit to Maz and Charlie's homes, looking for answers as to why her husband was murdered. After several bourbon Irish coffees and some intense questioning, she asks Charlie and Maz for one last favor that they can't refuse. Welcome back to Season 3, Episode 2 of Probably True Solar Stories. I'm Tor Solarfred Valenza, solar pro, solar storyteller, and lover of solar fiction, especially solar noir fiction. We're continuing to wrap up The Solar Heist, or How I Got Into the Solar Business, Part 8, Mrs. Prout. We haven't met the widow Prout yet, but we have met her deceased solar landfill mogul husband, Richard Prout, in Parts 3, 4, and 5 of The Solar Heist. To get the most context of this chapter and the whole Solar Heist series, please check the show notes for links to those previous episodes. That's it, and here we go. Roll that la-la music. The Solar Heist, or How I Got Into the Solar Business, Part 8. Mrs. Prout is written and read by Tor Solarfred Valenza. When I was 16, a little kitten followed me home. It was so little and so fuzzy, and it purred like a diesel engine. It was so small it fit into my cargo pants pocket, so I called it Pocket. Pocket went everywhere with me, her little head sticking out on the side of my pant leg. And then one day, I woke up, and Pocket wasn't purring or moving anymore. She just died. My pop, he didn't want to know why. He didn't take her to the vet for a kitty autopsy. It was past. It was done. I cried so hard. Pocket was so innocent. Was it me? Did I not feed her well? I just wanted to know why. Anyway, I kept trying until I just dried out and I had to stop thinking about Pocket. That need to know why. That grief. That's how Mrs. Prout felt when she came to my door the next day. She didn't seem to believe that George would murder her husband just for a million bitcoin. Sylvia Prout wasn't too old maybe in her early sixties. I'd met her a couple times. We never did business. She was just in the office with Prout. So I was surprised when she showed up at my door. Pauline answered, and that worried me. The moon had passed. Pauline wasn't a werewolf anymore. But if Mrs. Prout was packing, it would be point-blank range to our heads. Hello, Pauline. I'm Sylvia Prout. Prout saw me down the hallway and nodded to me. I'm so sorry for your loss, said Pauline, a little shyly. Very sorry, I said. I got in front of Pauline just in case. And that's when I smelled the bourbon. That Mrs. Prout was drinking was understandable. But with some people, it could also be dangerous. Please come in, said Pauline. I looked at Pauline, and she ignored me. Thank you, darling. I shouldn't be driving anyway. But screw taking Bart. Am I right? Mrs. Prout walked in like a real estate agent, checking out the place. What a lovely home. I love the hardwood maple floors. So light. Did you put them in, Maz? Yes, actually, I did. I like working with my hands. Good to know, said Sylvia, 
and she winked at me. It might have been just a drunken casual wink, or it might have been a signal that she might need my hands for something. She led herself into the same living room where George one way had just held Pauline hostage a few hours ago. Just lovely, she said, looking at the living room. You've done well with your trucking business, Mars. Very well. She sat on the couch in front of the storage ottoman where we'd put back the submachine gun. Two more nine millimeters were in the side tables beside the couch, so I felt pretty safe. But I didn't know what she might do while boozy, grieving for a husband that she thought was bulletproof. Can I get you some coffee? Tea? Pauline asked. Coffee would be wonderful, she said. And it would be even more wonderful with a shot of bourbon, if you have it. A large shot. Then Mrs. Prout looked at me. I think she was trying to be punny, since her husband's head was blown away by a large shot, and she wanted to see if I got the pun. I didn't say anything, but I sat next to her as Pauline went to get the coffee and bourbon. She watched Pauline disappear into the kitchen, and then leaned into me. I just can't believe it, she bourbon breath whispered, and now it's all over the news. Charlie had given Richard what he wanted. There were headlines about a landfill mogul and a solar farm owner being robbed for his bitcoin, suspect at large. Yeah, I said. I knew something was wrong when I talked to him last night. You talked to him? asked Mrs. Prout innocently. But she knew I'd talked to him, or she wouldn't be here. It's not like me and Richard were best friends. The police had already called me asking why I'd called Richard so late. I told him that I'd gotten a million dollars in Bitcoin for no reason and called him about it. I said that Richard told me it was a mistake and I sent it back. I also told them that I'd heard George Oneway's voice in the background saying, Nice try, Richard, and then Richard hung up. I should have known something wasn't right, Mrs. Prout. I'm very sorry. Call me Sylvia, please. The thing is, George was a friend, a nice friend. Richard told me he might have been talking to people he shouldn't be talking to, but he was surprised to hear that. I just don't understand, Maz. George was always so loyal to him. And you are, too. Richard said you could always be trusted. But look at George. I just don't understand. Sylvia gave me a long, searching look, but I didn't blink. I'm sorry, I said. I'm deeply deeply sorry for your loss. There's so much to do, and I'm frightened. Not by George. He's probably on his boat somewhere. I'm not worried about him. Sailboats are very dangerous. But, and this is what really worries me, another friend of ours also disappeared last night. Sylvia started tearing up again. Beautiful Richie. You might have known him as Richie Berkeley. Or some people called him Richie three times, a disparaging nickname for someone who was always being honest about his work and his intentions. Richie worked so hard for my Richard. He was like another son to us. And now he's missing too, on the same night. Sylvia looked deep into my face, seeing if she could shake me. I thought of Pocket and how I didn't understand why she died. 
Then I thought of Mrs. Prout and her not understanding about Richard's death, and I began to tear up. Poor Pocket. Poor Sylvia. I'm sorry, I said very genuinely. I heard George in the background. I told the police that, but I didn't know why he was there or what happened between them. I just sent the Bitcoin back, and then, I'm sorry, Sylvia. I'm so sorry. Pauline brought out Sylvia's coffee cup and a large shot of bourbon in it. She took a sip and smiled. Ah, this is wonderful coffee. And I'm not just talking about the bourbon. It's Phil's, Pauline said. Maz and Charlie like their coffee strong. Is it too much? No, no. Richard loved Phil's. This is good. It's all good. Thank you. Thank you both. La, 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 la. After finishing her cup of fills spiked with a large shot of bourbon, we saw Sylvia to the door. A white electric Mercedes EQE sedan was parked in our driveway. You sure you're okay to drive, I asked. Oh, I'll be fine. I'm not going far. She meant it. She pulled out of our driveway and then drove into Charlie's driveway across the street. Then she got out, smiled, waved to us, and slung a large white Louis Vuitton handbag over her shoulder. Told ya! Wish me luck! We waved. I didn't know what kind of luck Sylvia was asking for, but I didn't wish her luck. Instead, I texted Charlie and Beth to be careful because if she was the widow of Richard Prout, that white Louis Vuitton was carrying a big gun. Probably a big knife, too. Charlie told me what happened later. Sylvia ran the doorbell and Charlie greeted her with his condolences. Like I said, Richard's death was all over the news and the detectives, Charlie's detectives, had already interviewed Charlie about his whereabouts last night. According to the Oakland police record, he was with me out for drinks, and then we came home and turned in. Charlie and Sylvia were well acquainted. As Richard's lead solar developer, Charlie would often see Sylvia at the solar landfill site. They'd even had a few dinners together. Charlie said those meals were always cordial, and the only business discussed was solar business. But if Richard had suspected Charlie of being a rat, did Sylvia know about that suspicion too? Or did Richard keep that to himself? Charlie invited Sylvia in, and once again, she asked Beth for a black Irish coffee, heavy on the Irish. And just like with Pauline, sending Beth on a kitchen coffee errand was her way to be alone with Charlie. When Beth was gone, Sylvia leaned into Charlie and lowered her voice. Aside from smelling like the back of a dive bar, her voice was hoarse now, probably from crying. Charlie! You don't know what a shock this is for me, Sylvia said. George was our communications person. He wrote press releases, company announcements, and coordinated our business communications. You knew him? Yes, said Charlie. He really didn't seem dangerous to me. I know. That's why I don't understand. I don't understand any of this but there's no denying that the money was transferred to George. And the gun, they said it was Richard's. George shot him with Richard's own gun. 
I'm so sorry, said Charlie, honestly. You saw him last night, didn't you? Without knowing how much Sylvia knew, Charlie played it straight. He didn't want to get into knowing about certain awful things, or as Richard liked to say, cats. Yes, I saw him, briefly, about solar business, about the PTO, permission to operate, turning the project on. After that, he said he had a meeting. I guess it was with George. Sylvia shook her head. Oh, Charlie, this is what I'm talking about. I don't know the solar business. I don't know PTO or all those other crazy acronyms. I know real estate and I know landfills, but that's not solar. I need your help, Charlie. At least until I can get my head around everything that I've just inherited. I have to answer to investors, and they're very impatient and anxious after Richard's death. It's condolences, mostly. But they also want to know continuity. Will you be that continuity for me, Charlie? Of course, Charlie wanted continuity until he nailed the solar pope. But he tried not to seem eager. That might be too suspicious. Sylvia, don't get me wrong. I respected Richard, but due to the way he died, I'm also concerned for myself and for Beth. Sylvia glanced at the kitchen. Then she looked back at Charlie, sounding more desperate. Charlie, I know this is a terrible circumstance, but nothing has ever happened to you, has it? Richard protected you. I'm sure I can protect you, too. Besides... I know how you met Maz. You might have gotten him into the solar industry, but he used to be in the special authorized transportation business. Isn't that true? Charlie knew she was referring to our original solar heist, and that was good. It meant that she still thought that Charlie was a patsy, not a federal agent. So he backed down. Of course, Sylvia. I'm happy to help. And I'd appreciate your protection. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Now that we've talked, I'm going to extend your contract for one more project. That's all I'm asking. Your development fees will go up too, of course. Call it hazard pay. Could you tell me more about this project, said Charlie? It's another land deal that Richard just closed the Butte County Planning Commission is about to meet up there in Chico. Some local yokels are opposing the project because of a lot of solar myths. Richard was going to try to educate everyone, but... Anyway, I'd like you and Maz to go for me and speak to the Planning Commission and to these neighbors. It's tomorrow. That's very short notice, Sylvia. I know, but please, Charlie... It's not just Richard and the funeral. A close friend of the family is missing, too. Did you ever meet Richie? Tall, slim Richie. He usually wore a Berkeley hoodie. I think he came to the solar site once. I, I'm not sure, Charlie said with a straight face. You would know if you met him, said Sylvia. He always made an impression. But now he's missing, Charlie. Maybe it has to do with George and Richard. Maybe it doesn't. Richie liked to do his own thing. But Richard and I, we were responsible for him. 
He was like an intern. I really have to find out what happened to him. She stopped as Beth walked in with her coffee and bourbon. Oh, thank you, hon. Richie's parents are holding me responsible for his well-being, as they should, even under these terrible circumstances. So, will you go to Chico for me, Charlie? It would mean so much. Of course. I'll do anything I can to help. Oh, you're the best, Charlie. The best. Richard always liked you. He said you were an honest straight shooter. Oh, God. What am I saying? I'm sorry. I feel so. The words didn't come out, so Charlie tried to fill them in. Lost? No. Screwed. But it's not your concern. Bottoms up. She downed her bourbon coffee in one gulp. You and Pauline make the best coffee, Beth. Love it. Beth and Charlie nodded kindly, but they didn't say anything else, and Sylvia knew that it was time to go. Well, I have to go to the funeral parlor. Sylvia stood up to go and steadied herself on Charlie's shoulder. Are you sure you're okay to drive? asked Beth. Oh, honey, my liver is cast iron. I never feel it anymore. That's why I can do what I have to do. She looked at Charlie. Would you hand me my bag and walk me to my car, Charlie? Charlie picked up Sylvia's white Louis Vuitton bag. He could feel dead weight metal of the butt of a large gun hitting his shin when he picked it up. He offered the bag to Sylvia, but she didn't take it. She had a slight smile on her face, and she rolled her eyes toward Beth, as if she was calling Charlie into a secret passage that she didn't want Beth to know about. When they got to her e-Mercedes, Charlie again tried to hand Sylvia her handbag, and again, Sylvia wouldn't take it. Hold it open for me, she said. Charlie did, and Sylvia reached inside. He flinched, thinking that Sylvia was about to pull out the heavy gun inside and shoot him in the head but she just pulled out a jangling keychain with a diamond-encrusted cat charm with red eyes made from rubies. Cats, said Sylvia, jingling the keychain. My good luck charm. I'm gonna need it. She looked inside her purse like a magician reaching for a rabbit inside the hat, and then she pulled out a matching white Louis Vuitton leather wallet. You keep the rest, Sylvia said with an elongated est. Then she bit her lower lip and raised her eyebrows. Charlie felt like he was some kind of Sylvia boy toy being given a gold chain or a ring. He looked inside and saw a silver 9mm handgun, two full cartridges, some Tic Tacs, a pack of tissues, and five wads of $100 bills. Sylvia smiled and rubbed her hand on his shoulder. You're welcome, she said. I don't understand, said Charlie. Oh, well. That's my traveling purse, Charlie, in case I decide to take a quick vacation. But I'm not going anywhere. Nope. I gotta do what I gotta do for the sake of my kids and grandkids. But you and your wifey there, you two are such kittens. Soft kitty cats. You probably don't even own a gun, do you? No, we don't, Charlie lied. Now you do. It's legal. Register to me. I'm letting you borrow it, Charlie. 
and the money, there's $100,000 in there. The purse is worth $3,000 too, on sale. You could sell it on eBay if you want for even more. Sylvia, I don't understand. Jolly, jolly, jolly. Just do what I ask you to do. And if something were to happen to me and you don't hear from me for a few days, well, you're good friends with Maz. You two and your lovely wives, you get the fuck out of Oakland. Disappear for a while. Maybe permanently. But don't panic yet. I'm still here. All is well. All is fucking well. Right? Right, said Charlie, forcing a smile. She tapped the side of the white purse. Good. Good. Enjoy. Talk to you later. From my place, Pauline and I watched Sylvia go into her white electric Mercedes and pull out of Charlie's driveway without swerving. Maybe playing drunk was an act, or maybe she did have a cast-iron stomach. A few minutes later, Charlie came over. We compared stories, and he told me about the Butte County Planning Commission meeting in Chico. Then a text came in on my phone from Sylvia. It said, Maz, I gave Charlie a gun. Go with him to Chico. Show him how to use it. You might have company. What company? I said to Charlie. She probably means the Solar Syndicate. But don't worry. My crew will be with us in the background. We won't go to Chico alone. That's good, I said. Because if this is the landfill where I think it is, I did some dumpster deliveries there. We might be able to find some cats buried on Sylvia's development property. Charlie smiled. Maz, that's it. If we can find just one body, that's all we'd need to arrest her, plus whatever we find on the phones. Charlie gave me his shoulder squeeze, the one that was supposed to make me feel like everything was going to be okay. We're almost there, Maz. As he said that, another text came in from Sylvia. This time she sent it through to both our phones. It said, Charlie, please make sure that the planning board approves this solar project. My investors are counting on it. Maz, I'm going to send you a list of neighbors who oppose the project. Please be nice. Use your words first. Thanks. I looked at Charlie. He shrugged it off. It's okay, Maz. Do what she said. Use your words. It'll be fine. But it wasn't fine, thanks to a leak. And speaking of leaks, I gotta take one. I'll be back. So, is Sylvia being a friend or foe to Maz and Charlie? Or is she setting them up? These and more questions will be answered in the next few episodes of Season 3, and then we're going to start in on some more original, one-off, probably true solar stories. Check the Season 3 preview episode for the current rundown. In terms of the true solar takeaways in this episode, Sylvia does hint at a huge problem for the solar industry today, and that's local opposition to solar projects. Some of this opposition is political misinformation, some are based on myths, and others are based on basic fear of the unknown. The next few episodes will dive into those issues within the context of our story. Check the show notes for more information about these solar development challenges. If you want to help educate people about solar for their careers or personal use, or for advocacy, 
please remember to rate, review, and share probably true solar stories. And if you're a solar company looking to reach a diverse audience of solar pros and consumers, check out our sponsor page at probablytruesolar.com. That's all for now. Probably True Solar Stories is a production of Unthink Solar PR and Communications. Be bold for solar. Stand out and educate. See you next time.